Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. If you were to look at my title of my message this morning, you might be a little confused by it. You go, what do you mean? Well, I titled the message, A Soft Pillow for a Weary Heart, and that doesn't exactly describe the text that we're going to be covering. You see, we're right in the middle of six illegal trials of Jesus, right in the middle of that. And in chapter 18, 28 through 38, we'll continue the civil saga that started out really in the house of Annas. If you recall, there were three religious trials. We talked about those two weeks ago, and we're going to continue that. But I want you for just a moment, guys, to see beyond the text for just a moment. You go, what do you mean? Well, this week as I was praying about the message, the Lord really impressed upon my heart the reason, okay, I want you to see the reason that Jesus endured this humiliating trial and even all the way to the death on the cross. Why? Right? We have to keep asking ourselves, why? Why? But Jesus being fully God and fully man, you guys know this, he had the power to call a legion of angels to come down and fight for him. If you were to take your mind back to the Garden of Gethsemane, he could have said, no. I mean, he said, who are you looking for? He said, I am. Boom. They all fell down. I mean, he could have just walked away like he did many times before. And I'm sitting here going, why? He could have stopped the trial at any moment. You know this. He could have called an earthquake or lightning or tornado, but he did it. And I keep asking, why, Lord? Why didn't you do this? Because he knew, he knew, listen to me, what he had to endure so that he could be that soft pillow for a weary heart. See, Jesus knew, now listen, Jesus knew that man would be restless in life. He would be restless in searching and never finding. He knew that. He knew mankind. He knew that they would grow weary in trying to pursue what they would think would bring happiness. Oh, what are you looking at? Just, if I could just be happy. I am so tired. I just want to be. Jesus knew that. He also knew that you would get tired just from doing life. Maybe you're not like, oh, I'm out pursuing, I'm just going for it. But you're just going, you know, life is just, just tired, man. How you doing, man? I'm just tired. I'm just tired. Life is work and we're just trying to, man, listen, listen, I don't even know if we have any purpose, man, because we go from one week to the next and then we find ourselves doing the same thing. And Jesus knew that, guys. I mean, think about what the writer of Hebrews teaches us when it comes to Jesus. Now, I want you to listen. You can make a mental note or you can take note. It's Hebrews chapter 12. I want to show you something real quick. Verses 1 and 2. The writer of Hebrews says this, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, he says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, And let us run the race with endurance that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author author and finisher of our faith. Who? For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, listen. Your attention, please. What is the writer of Hebrews declaring? He says, okay, well, since we're surrounded by what? By those who have won the race. Pastor, what race? Well, it's the race of life. They've won that. We have such a great witness. You go, what do you mean? You mean the Christian life is a winnable race? Absolutely. You go, okay, okay. So that gives me hope. He says, but what we should do is lay aside every weight and sin. You go, what does that mean? Well, weight, the way the Greek puts it out is, which serves that weight, which serves to hinder or prevent someone from doing something. 
a weight. If you ever ran track and you ran the hurdles, those are weights, okay? Because you had the low hurdles and then you had the high hurdles. And if you ran, you saw many times you missed and that was something that prevented you from getting to the finish line. You guys tracking with me? That's a weight, okay? You go, well, what's the sin? What is he talking about sin? Is that the Greek word harmatia? Actually, it means here to engage in wrongdoing, So we need to lay aside those things that are tripping us up. We need to lay aside those things that are hindering us from getting to the finish line and and all our wrongdoings. Okay, I need to put that aside. I need to put that aside. Well, what should I do? Well, well, the reason why the writer of Hebrews says that it ensnares us. I love the word here because it means to ambush us, to trap us, to ambush. Okay, so there you are. It's coming around you, right, and it wants to ensnare you, okay? You see the finish line, and it comes, and it traps you up, and you fall. That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Now, now listen, it goes on. It said that we should do, what should we do? He said, run the race, run with endurance our race. Stay in our lane looking unto Jesus. That's what he says. Why? Now, listen, here's where it gets good. For It says, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. Despising the shame, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, here's a question, okay? Here's a question. Think about what he just said. What joy can be found from dying on a cross? You guys know the Roman cross. You know it was brutal. It wasn't meant for you to just be suffering a little bit and they'd take you down. It was horrible. They actually, the word excruciating came from that. That pain was so bad. And I'm thinking, there's no joy. There's no joy. So what, writer, what are you talking about? Who for, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. What joy that was set before him that he was willing to endure a horrible death on a Roman cross. What joy? Here's what I want you to jot down. Okay. Here's what I want you to take away today. You and I are the joy that was set before him. You can write down in your notes, I am that joy that was set before him, that he was willing. You see, while he's standing there in six illegal trials, he's looking at you. He's thinking, this is why. Oh, I can get out of here, no problem. Uh, You know what, I'm God. I created all y'all, you know, and I'll, I'll take you out just as easy. But listen, he looked and he saw Joe and he said, that's why. Right? And he saw Soph, and he saw, he saw all of us, right? He said, oh, oh, there's Miss Alice. There's Miss Alice. Yeah, she's my joy. You know that? You know that? Don't you just love that? That's just so, so just, I'm, I'm thinking about this, man. Right? You and I, he loved us. And you've got you to grasp that. Why? Because the world has just, has just perverted that term love. And, and he loved us so much, he was willing to endure an old, rugged cross. He was willing to endure, guys, think about this, the, to, willing to despise the shame. He was willing to endure three false religious trials, three false civil trials, so that you and I can have rest for our weary hearts. That's what he's doing it. He's looking at us. Now, I realize that Christianity is about God. I get that. But God loves us that I can sit here and go, you know what? Sometimes my weary heart needs this. And thank you, Lord, for enduring the cross. Now, let's step back just a moment in time. Remember two weeks ago, 
Jesus has been arrested and, and he's taken to Annas' house, then over to Caiaphas' house, right? Caiaphas was the high priest that year. Everybody think about that year. Why? Uh, I don't have time to get into it for the sake of time, but, but Rome comes in and says, no, the high priest isn't the high priest for a lifetime. I know that's your law, but we're going to do it this way. And, and so Annas goes, well, let me see. Eeny, meeny, mine. I pick my son-in-law and so he can still call the shots. That's really what's going on. And so what happens is they take him over to Annas, Annas over to Caiaphas, okay? They eventually put him in a pit and eventually take him to trial the morning in the Sanhedrin, okay? In two weeks, two, three weeks, you'll be there, Adam and Tiffany, and you will see the actual place where they drug Jesus up the stairs and you can see all of that area. It's going to be amazing. But listen. By the time the first two trials were over, Jesus was bleeding and bruised, and yet there was no official verdict. I mean, here's the here's the prisoner going, I'm in it, what are you what are you doing? There was no official verdict. All that had transpired occurring the hours in the darkness, therefore nothing would be recognized as official by the Romans until he had the audience before who? The Sanhedrin. So they, they're 2 o'clock in the morning, they're doing all of this stuff, and they're like, well, we can't really get a verdict, so we'll throw them in the pit, and we'll wait till morning, and we'll pull them out, and we'll bring them before the Sanhedrin. And here's what Luke tells us in Luke 22, 60-71. We talked about that two weeks ago. It says, as soon as it was day, the elders of the people, both chief priests and scribes, came together and led him into the council, saying, if you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, if I tell you, you will no means believe. And if I also ask you, you will by no means answer me or let me go. Hereafter, the Son of Man will sit on the right hand of the, of the power of God. Then they all said, are you the Son of God? Can you imagine? That's probably how they, are you the Son of God? Because they're just fuming. And Jesus, I always like to think Jesus smiles. I always like to see that Jesus says, you rightly say that I am. And they said, what further testimony do we need? For we have heard it ourselves from his own mouth. So this is all the trial was. Are you the son of God? Amen. You said it. We're done. Boom. Right? The third trial was the shortest trial of them all. Jesus, in their mind, guys, was guilty. Now, let me remind you really quick why these were illegal trials. The Bible tells us that they led him to Annas. You guys remember that? Why Annas? He wasn't even the high priest. Right? He was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest. What's the father-in-law doing seeing accused men at 2 o'clock in the morning when he is no longer in the court? That's the first thing. The second thing is Caiaphas got a group of men together about 3.30 in the morning. Now remember, it's illegal because it's dark. It's illegal because it's a preliminary hearing. It's illegal because... They're in the wrong place, they're over at Caiaphas' house, and they're not in the council chamber. All this is just wrong. It's just wrong. I mean, this would be a mistrial big time. And then Luke 22 uh, records what transpired about 6 in the morning. Luke 22 says that it was day, but Mark 15.1 says that it was early in the morning. And understand this, guys, it's illegal because the Supreme Court of the Jews was the Sanhedrin, and what they discovered basically... They became law, and there was no such thing as a higher court to appeal to because they were the high court. Therefore, when the Sanhedrin met 
and passed the final judgment, it was the law of the Medes and the Persians, and Jesus was destined for the cross. So the Sanhedrin just got together and said, yeah, he's guilty. He's guilty. Okay? So those were the three religious trials. Now we move into, well, let's say goodbye to the religious trials and now say hello to the Roman civil trials. That's where we pick it up, okay? Jesus is going to go to see Pontius Pilate. Now, here's what we need to understand. Before we jump into text, I need to give you a little bit of background on Pilate just so you get a feel for him, okay? It'll help you understand the text a little better. Pilate was a anti-Semitic Spain-born Gentile. He was appointed by Caesar to govern Judea. He was what you would call the governor of a state, although in those days they had provinces, a little bit different than what we know. The problem was is that Pilate was a marked man in the mind of Caesar and also his court. You go, why? Because of the number of revolutions that he had broken under his rule. Like when you put somebody to govern, you kind of wanted to like, can you take care of that? And, and things kept getting back to Caesar and Caesar's just going, like what? Like what? Okay, the problem was is that Pilate had made some unwise decisions in his rule. He had actually murdered some Jews. He had tightened the screws of Roman requirements. He lacked diplomacy. Therefore, the state over which he serves, it was turmoil. You can imagine, Jerusalem was in turmoil, and this was, this was not going good. He was, he was basically getting ready to get fired. Now, Caesar left him there as the governor, but was under, he was under investigation at the time. And so you can just think about this. Pilate was on thin ice with Rome. I mean, any little mistake, they were going to fire him. Any little mistake. And so he's just on thin ice. He was also a very unstable man. And because of a few political maneuverings on his part, he had actually maneuvered his way as the governor of this province. That was Pilate. Later we learn, guys, unfortunately, Pilate is banished to Gaul, where he... They say later on he died of suicide. This is Pilate. In Israel, we're going to go to a place where you'll actually see a monument and Pilate's inscription on there. You're just like, wow, this is cool. So there was a dude named Pontius Pilate. This is who he was. This is who they're bringing Jesus to. Look at verse 28 with me, guys. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the praetorium, and it was early morning, but they themselves did not go into the praetorium, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Now, the Talmud law states that a Jew, that no Jew could enter into a Gentile court on the Passover, that he would be defiled. So they stayed outside the court itself. Based on the text, it looks like Pilate came out to them. They couldn't go in. Oh, that's a no, we'll be defiled. Now, this is what blows my mind. Think about this, guys. You guys are really smart, but this guys, these guys, right, had an illegal trial of an innocent man. They dragged him up some stairs. They didn't even take him to court. They dragged him to Caiaphas' house. They slapped him. They dropped him down a dark pit. But when they came to the praetorium, they wouldn't go inside because it would defile them and they wouldn't be able to eat the Passover. And here's what I wrote in my notes. What a bunch of religious hypocrites. Oh, oh, no, we're going to do this. And here's the thing. Murder was on the list. Murder. But but we we can't go in because we won't be able to eat the Passover. No, no, you're thinking murder. You want to kill this? No, 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 no. These guys, as far as religious hypocrites, I want you to think about this, and I want you to apply it to our lives. Let's be careful, church, as Christians, that we don't say, do as I say, not as I do. 
I'm going to go out and do whatever I want, but do as I say, because that's the right. That's what they were saying. Do as I say, not as I do. They're religious hypocrites going on right here. So Pilate comes out to them. Look at verse 29. Pilate then went out to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? Uh Uh-oh, dun, 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 dun. You can feel the trial. You can feel, guys, the weight of this. Now, we have to do some work. Why? You need to understand this. Because Pilate uses a word that just jumps off the pages of Scripture. You go, what's that? It's the word accusation. You go, what do you mean? He says, what accusation? You go, okay, help me. Okay. Remember this, the law is no longer the Talmud, okay? That's not, that, we're not talking religious, we're not talking spiritual. Now they're using the Roman code of criminal procedure. And there were four steps that everyone had to follow to get an accurate court of law. You go, what are they? Jot this down. Number one, they had to follow an accusation. That's the first thing. Had to go an accusation. There had to be an accusation. This is the code of law. Number two, there had to be an interrogation. There had to be an interrogation, Number three, there had to be a defense. There had to be a defense. And then number four, there had to be a verdict. You have to follow all of this. This is the code. This is the law. This is what Pilate would, would follow. He'd say, okay, I need, a, I need to make sure there's an accusation, there's an interrogation, there's a defense, and there's a verdict. As we go through our text, let's see if we can pick them up, y'all. So here's what we do. Clunk, clunk, clunk. Court is in session. This is what's going on. Look at verse 30. They answered and said to him, If he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him to you. And then Pilate said to them, well, then you take him and judge him according to you law. Therefore, the Jews said to him, it's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. Wait a minute. You were just talking murder. But but you're going, oh, we we, we don't want to. So we're going to bring him to you. Well, verse 32 says that that saying of Jesus might be fulfilled when he spoke signifying of what death he would die. And then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said, are you the king of the Jews? Let's break this down for just a moment, guys. We'll move pretty quick through here. Um, what do we see in these verses? Well, well, Pilate right now, guys, is trying to find out what they're accusing him of, what they're accusing him of. He's trying to figure out what's going on. Okay, he's on thin ice and he doesn't want a revolution. He doesn't want the people just going all, they're all trippy and everything, right? He's trying to keep the peace. He's like, okay, well, just tell me what's going on. Tell me what's going on, right? And they come and go, well, listen, if he wasn't, if he wasn't an evildoer, we wouldn't have brought him to you. Pilate tells them, well, listen, why don't you just go judge Jesus according to your Jewish law? The problem is, is they would have, but capital punishment is what they have in mind. Okay, so they couldn't do it. You're like, oh, that makes sense. So what Pilate is now forced to do is go to the second part, the interrogation. Look at verse 33. So Pilate entered the praetorium again and called Jesus, and here's the interrogation. He said to him, are you king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him. He says, are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? And Pilate looks at him and says, am I a Jew? Your own nation, chief priests, have delivered me unto me. What have you done? And Jesus, I believe, smiling again, says, my kingdom is not of this world. Let me let you on a little secret there, Pilate. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. You see... 
let's just talk practical, okay? Pilate wanted to know one thing. You go, what's that? If Jesus was in the process of overthrowing the government of Palestine, that's all he wanted to know, okay? So this way he can go, Caesar, this is what's going on. This is what I had to do. He says, Jesus says, man, listen, if I wanted to overthrow the government, my servants would be fighting right now. He'd be carrying out revolution, be taking lives, storming the temple, ruining this procedure. Come on. He says, but you don't even see any of my servants out there. And so now we find, guys, the third process of the Roman code was the defense, right? He, he says, okay, here's the interrogation. Now, here's what I want you to know, okay, in the defense. Roman law, much like the American law we see today, is, is always allowed for a defense attorney, okay? What should have happened, if we're just being real, is that they should have said, Jesus, this is what your accusation is. Here's the interrogation. Do you have a defense attorney? You know, are you going to represent yourself? Here's what I want you to see. I want you to make a mental note. Write it down in your notes somewhere. You'll never find where Jesus was actually allowed that. He never had an opportunity. Why? Because he went from Annas to Caiaphas, back to, right, the Sanhedrin. We're straight over here. This is all happening very quickly. Right? From 2 in the morning, it's about 6 in the morning now. I mean, this is, this is all happening. Nobody says, hey, what's, what's, what's your defense? So what Pilate does is he looks at it from Jesus' point of view, and he says, are you a king? Right? Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? And Jesus said, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth, hears my voice. Pilate says, are you king? And Jesus says, I'm a king. I'm a king. This is why I was born. This was my cause. And here's what I love. I love the mission that Jesus has. And I love the mission that Jesus has. He never, he never swayed from his, from his mission. His mission was always to go to the cross to reconcile us so that he would be a soft pillow for our weary hearts. Can I get an Amen. You know what I'm talking about? That's exactly, he never swayed. And so even in the trial, even when he's going to be beaten later on, even right now he's bloodied and bruised, you know, and you go, why was he bloodied and bruised? Real quick, guys, that hole in Israel is only so big and they would drop the prisoners in. They didn't care. You did something wrong, boom, you just wait there. I mean, he hit, he hit rock going down. He might have even just hit his, I mean, you just don't know. You just don't know. And he's bloodied and he's bruised and... And I love the message that Jesus gives. Why? He says, he says, listen to this, guys. Listen to it with your heart. He says, for this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world. Why, Lord? That I should bear witness of the truth. Everyone, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Here's what I want you to see. Jesus was, and he is our king. And here's what he's come for. He's come to, to, to reveal the truth, that he should bear witness to the truth. Everything else is a lie. When the world says, hey, listen, you can be a Christian and you can hang out here and you can do this and you can party there. And it's a lie. Jesus tells us the truth. Why? Because as believers, guys, we're supposed to be called out. We're supposed to be different. 
Now, I'm not saying that you can't go in there and reach the world. I'm not saying that you shouldn't go and, and, and witness to your unsaved friends. But what I'm saying is that we don't want to look like the church. Josh and I had a conversation just the other day how the church is allowing the world to come in and influence it even more. Oh, Josh, we got to do something. We have too many blue chairs in here. I'll tell you what, let's get more of the, let's just see what we can, let's see how we can get people in here. Let's just, let's just have a little bit more rock and roll music. How about that? A little bit more. How about some smoke? Stephen, can we get some smoke in here? Can we get some lasers? How about that? And, and again, we're allowing that. You go, Ben, now, now you stepped over the line because there are churches that are doing a great work with smoke and lasers. And that's not my point. My point is, is that there are a lot of churches that are allowing too much of the world. And God called us out to be different. He called us to reach the world with the truth, with the truth. Well, where's the truth? The truth comes in our heart, and then we live the truth. That's what he's talking about here, guys. Everyone who hears his voice hears the truth. Don't you just love that? Think about that. Think about when you first got saved. Think about when you gave your life to the Lord. I mean, you heard the truth. How did you hear it? You didn't hear it. I mean, you didn't hear it audibly, although maybe somebody was witnessing to you something deep in your heart and you go, wow, I hear God, I hear your voice. I need to get saved. That's what I need. I know what I need. And he opened, he opened up your heart and he said, Lord, wow. And you heard the truth. He said, Jesus, come into my heart. You see, and it wasn't because, man, you were going through a rough time and you thought, well, I've tried everything else. I've tried counseling. I've tried this. I've tried this. Maybe I'll try Jesus. Yeah, you'll be all right. Jesus, yeah. It was that you really heard his voice and said, Could we agree, church, that Christianity, our true walks with Christianity, is a hard thing? And you go, why? Because if it wasn't, everybody would be doing it. Now, there are people who seemingly seem to do it, but I'm talking a real walk. A real walk. Right? Is that day in and day out that just, I'm going to go for it till Jesus calls me home. And you go, well, Ben, I stumble sometimes. Amen, so do I. And sometimes I trip and sometimes I bloody my nose and I fall flat on my face. And I've been walking with Jesus many, 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 many years. But I still get up and I keep moving forward because I know, I know he loves me. And I know that journey. It says in verse 38, it says, And Pilate said to him, of course, this is one of the greatest things Pilate ever says, what is truth? And when he said this, he went out to the Jews and he said to them, I find no fault in him at all. Ding, 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 ding. That's it. That's it. The trial's over, right? The trial's over. This should have ended it right here. Why? Because they bring him to Pilate. Pilate said, look, there's no, no, no. He might, Pilate might think he's a little loopy. He's a little wacky. I mean, here's this dude, you know, willing to die for his cause. But he goes out to the Jews. He says, guys, listen, I find no fault. He declared him not guilty. Not guilty. Again, this is the fourth, right? This is the fourth in the Roman criminal code. This is the verdict. We had the accusation. We had the interrogation. We had the defense. Now the verdict. All four are acted out for us right here. And Pilate says, after all of this, not guilty. All he finds is some spiritual kingdom. And that's not going to affect or threaten room at all. See, Jesus right here is not guilty of treason according to Roman law. Now, before we go into the fourth trial, 
we have to turn over to Luke 23. So go say goodbye to John for today and go over to Luke 23. That's the third trial, right? Should have ended it right there. Not guilty, not guilty. Luke 23, picking it up in verse 4. Luke 23, verse 4. So Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no fault in this man. Same thing. Here's the difference. John doesn't record this, but Luke does. But they were more fierce, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all of Judea, beginning from Galilee to this place. Okay? So, not guilty! Not guilty! Whoa, whoa, whoa! He's, he's a crazy man! The, the crowd's going wild now. They, they employ a word, right, a phrase here, and catches Pilate's attention. You go, what's that? He says, from beginning, from, he says, beginning from Galilee all the way to here. So he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Did he say Galilee? He said Galilee. Oh, oh, oh. So the fifth trial starts, right? He says, oh, well, let's do this. When Pilate heard Galilee, he asked if the man were a Galilean. Galilee, is he a Galilean? As soon as he heard that, right? As soon as he knew he had belonged, he was Galilean. What did he do? He said, man, this is Herod's jurisdiction, right? As soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent them to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. Whoa, this is it, right? This is it. Is it Galilee? Oh, Herod's good. It's Herod. This could be good, okay, right? I'll say face with Rome. They won't, they won't be here. Herod, Herod's jurisdiction. Send them to Herod. Herod's in Rome right now. Send them to Herod, right? Here's what I want you to see, guys. Pilate wants to avoid a decision about Jesus. So he sends him to Herod. Now, here's what we can apply in our lives, guys. I think it's the same for us. There are so many people, guys, who want to avoid a decision about Jesus. And you've heard this before. I'm not preaching anything new. A non-decision is still a decision. Well, let me get back to you. Well, and, and so what we must do, what we must do is we must make a decision about Jesus. Is he our Lord and Savior or is he not? Well, let me, I mean, the verdict's still out on that. Let me get back to you. No, no, no. See, when you don't choose, you've actually choosed. And Pilate's just showing us an example of what people do even in our day. Because a non-decision is still a decision. And I think about that and I'm like, wow. Yeah, Ben, you know what? Listen, when I get older and I get all my ducks in a row, I'll follow Jesus. I'll give my life to Jesus. I'll get saved. Hey, let me just sow my wild oats. You don't understand. I'm in college. I mean, I'm just, I've got stuff to do. There's things I want to see. And then I'll give my life to Jesus. You understand? A non-decision is still a decision. Could I, could I do this? Could I exhort us, myself included, could I exhort us to actually live a life like Jesus? A life full of love and compassion and grace and mercy? And that way people can see it and they'll want what we have. Oh, I'm not asking you to compete with the world. But what I'm saying is that what people are really longing for is not the club dancing that night. What they're looking for is the peace that you have in your heart. What they're really looking for is something that you possess that you go, man, but we got to live it. We got to live it. 
And, he, and, and listen, I'm preaching to myself right now. Y'all can listen if you want to. But here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking when life hits us hard, I want to be, be so intimate with God that I don't misrepresent my Lord so that when people see it, they go, man, he just walked through a storm there and he's, something's real. Something's real in his life. Something's real in his life. What do we know about Herod? We know that Herod and Pilate were, li- <laughs> were, were lifelong enemies up until this event, right? Well, who was Herod? Well, he's sending him to Herod. Think about this. Herod is the one who beheaded John the Baptist. He was the one who dealt viciously cruelty over his subjects. Now, Herod has looked upon Jesus. He's thinking, man, I want to see this Jesus because he's some miracle worker, and I want him to see it do a trick. That's all he wanted. That's all he wanted. And here's a side note, guys. This trial is being held in the morning. You guys got that? But trials were only to be held on certain days. It's kind of like our thing. It's like, okay, well, we only do trials on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but they want to get Jesus on the cross so much. So what does he do? They send him to Herod. Uh, Luke 23, verse 8 says, And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad. Now, you would think like, yes! Why? For he desired for a long time to see him, because he had heard many things about him, and he hoped to see some miracle done by him. Why do you want to see Jesus? I want to see a miracle. I want to see me. I want to, listen. We just happen to keep this dead dude here just to see, just in case you came, man. Bring it back to life. I mean, whatever it is, right? And I was thinking, isn't that? I mean, there's a spirit, if you will, of Herod in in the world today. Because they just want to follow Jesus for what he could give them. They just want to follow Jesus for what he could. Well, what can I get from Jesus? I'm going to follow Jesus because, listen, I heard on the radio, man, I can get a new car. I can get a new house. I can get all this stuff. I mean, I have all my bills to pay. I'm going to follow Jesus. Jesus, come on, let's do this. And, and they have that same spirit. I want, to see, I want to see a miracle. I want to see a miracle. I want to see a miracle. Verse 9 says, then he questioned him with many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priest and the scribe stood and vehemently accused him. Then Herod, with his men of war, treated him with contempt and mocked him and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him back to Pilate. Do you guys see that? Here's where it, here, here's where it just cuts through the heart. Why? Because my Jesus didn't do anything wrong. He was innocent. And these men, the men that were supposed to represent God to the people, they stood and they vehemently accused him. And what Herod did is he treated him with contempt and he mocked him. And he arrayed him with this gorgeous robe. You want to be a king? And he sent him back to Pilate. Why might Jesus endure such cruelty and mocking? Such shame and disgrace. Oh, here's why. So that my weary heart could find rest in him. He did it for me. Well, the sixth and final trial, Herod sends Jesus back to Pilate. Here's what the Bible says. They became friends after this. Yeah, I think it was Herod that requested him on Facebook and 
they were like friends after that, you know, and and started shooting some text. Hey, what's up, bro? How are things down in, you know? Want to come out to the Sea of Galilee? We'll hang out. It doesn't say that, but I find it interesting that they were enemies up until this event. Well, Pilate has to deal with the angry crowd and the religious leaders. Now, next week, guys, we'll pick up our story as the sixth trial leads us to the scourging and eventually crucifixion. Let me give you a preview, right? This is the preview of what's going to happen next week, okay? Pilate, in an effort to calm down the crowd and to save his own skin, is going to have Jesus scourged. Most men died from the scourging. So he's thinking, two birds, right? One stone, maybe. Listen, but he's going to do, I mean, this is just incredible. And, and the movie, The Passion of the Christ, doesn't do it justice. And that was brutal. I can barely watch that. But he's going to do this in an effort to go, okay, look what I've done. He's, he's cool. He's cool. And another fellow comes on the scene by the name of Barabbas, who was a notorious murderer. He was the, he was the gang leader. Well, I don't know if he's the leader, but he's in a gang, right? It was just, and the crowd is going to say, let Barabbas go. But that's for next week. Let's close. Let's close our Bible study, guys. So what can we learn from today? What can we learn? What can we pull this out, right? Okay. Here's what we can learn. You and I, we deserve that spit. We deserve the nails that were in his hands and in his feet. That, those are for me. Those are for me. I get that. The problem with, with people coming to salvation is that, is that they've grown up thinking that they don't deserve that, that, that that's, not, that's not them. I don't, I don't deserve that. But when you come to realize that I am a sinner and that it was my sin who put him on the cross, you go, those are my nails. Those are my nails. You go, yeah, okay. We can learn that it's our sin that he bore, not his. It's our place he took, not the Father's. We have to realize, guys, that we're the guilty ones. We are all like sheep have gone astray, and we've turned everyone to our own ways, as the Bible reads. The Bible says we're rebels. We learned that our iniquity has separated us from God not his. But the message in all of this is because of love. He, he did it for us. He became sin for us. This blew my mind. This blew my mind. If you're not reading, if you're not reading the one-year Bible, you need to read it because the Lord is speaking just big time. Why? Because yeah, we were right in the middle of Moses. You guys remember? You guys remember the Ten Commandments? This is I mean, Charlton Heston comes in and he has he has the staff, right? And that's always been a reference of Jesus. Lift up the staff. And one of the things that used to trip me out is there they are, right? And and Moses and he says, Aaron, throw down my staff. He throws down the staff. What does it do? Becomes a serpent, right? And then the magicians come and go, oh, that's an easy trick. And they throw down theirs and probably were snakes that were just stiff. We don't know. But here's what, here's what I saw. Did you catch this? Moses' staff swallowed up the other snakes. And you go, man, cool trick. Amen. God is big. But here's what the Lord spoke to me. He became sin who knew no sin. And he swallowed up death and victory at the same time. Poof. 
Man, it was just so, I mean, that's exactly right. He did it for love. He became sin, who knew no sin, so that I could, I could rest my weary heart. And the problem is, is there's so many people we love desperately that are running from God and are tired and are weary and they won't come to Jesus. They won't surrender. And they think they have life all figured out. And they endure just a little bit of comfort and they think that's it, but God gives them so much more. So much more. How would you like to live your life every single day without, without fear of dying? Without fear of, of man, where am I going to go when I die? I'm going to be in the presence of Jesus. How would you like to live your life so free that if the Lord said today, it's time for you to come home, you're like, amen. How would you like to live your life so free that you live with no regrets, that you just lay it out for Jesus every day, and when you lay your head on the pillow, you go, Lord, man, what a great day we had. And if you give me tomorrow, if I'm privileged that you give me another day, let's do it again, God. Let's do it again. We can do that. We can do that. You and I are the joy that was set before him. Guys, understand, he loves you so much. He loves you so much. He was willing to do all of that he's gone through. Why? Because Jesus is a soft pillow for a weary heart. You know, Pastor, what I do? If you're here today and your heart is weary and tired, surrender to Jesus. Say, Lord, I've been running. I'm tired. Come into my life, God. Direct me. Be my Lord and God. Be my Savior. I'm going to follow you. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. We thank you for your great love. Lord, how could you speak to us so amazingly through the book of John is unbelievable. And God, we thank you. We thank you, God, that you are a soft pillow for a weary heart, Lord, that you did. You did endure shame and spit and slapping and a crown of thorns, God. You endured a scourging. You endured flesh being ripped off your bones for my sake, God. And then you endured a Roman cross so that I could be set free. Oh, forgive me, Lord Jesus, when I willingly put you back on that cross for my own selfish pleasures. Forgive us, Lord. We surrender our lives to you this morning. We love you. It's in the beautiful name of Jesus we pray these things. Amen and amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.